All right, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the MMA Frequency. I'm your host, Joseph Dolan. We're today on this episode. We're breaking down UFC Fight Night Volkov versus Aspinall. Talking about a little bit of the news from this week and last, and then just talking a little bit, previewing the fights for next weekend: uh, Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins. So. UFC, Volkov versus Aspinall. It's obviously in the uh, O2 Arena in London. The first UFC card there since before the pandemic, I believe. Uh, they were supposed to come back late last year and then bailed on London. But they set the state up and they made it. So they made sure to pack every, all the... Uh, you know, Welsh, Irish, English, all your favorites. Uh, I think Darren Till is still out with a knee injury, some, some, something or other. So uh, he wanted to fight. He was talking about that in a few interviews, but uh, he couldn't make it. So let's break down the results of a fight card that saw nine performance bonuses handed out. Nine out of 12 fights in the card ended in a finish. Uh, all right. Jack Shore defeated Team Valiev. Didn't watch that one. Not going to talk about it. Just making note. Uh, the incredibly good run of luck the UK fighters had in this show. I believe they went undefeated. Uh, the next fight on the card after that, Paul Craig versus Nikita Krylov. Now, uh, I'm a Paul Craig fan. But uh, <laughs> Nikita Krylov knocked him down and was trying to punch his head through the floor of the octagon in that fight. Uh, Craig never lost his cool. I did. I thought that fight was over. And then he waited. He assessed. And man, what a magical man. First triangle he throws up, gets Krylov around the neck, has to tap him, taps him out. Wild. Wild. So... Craig called up Anthony Smith in the post-fight interview. So, as of right now, in light heavyweight, we've got Glover Teixeira and Jiri Prahashka for the title coming up in June. Jan Blakovich, the former champion, and Alexander Rachik were supposed to fight in essentially a number one contenders match, but uh, it was indefinitely delayed until... Uh, Jan is able to recover from an unspecified injury. So Craig versus Anthony Smith is great. Not a, not a number one contender fight, but uh, the guy who wins that is right on the uh, front door of the uh, title shot. So I think for once, light heavyweight matchmaking might actually get a little bit interesting. Uh, the next fight in the card was a battle of uh, the inactive Russians. Sergei Pavlovich fighting for the first time since 2019. Shmuel Abdurakamov uh, took off a two-year layoff between 2019 and 2021. But Pavlovich is legit. He walked right through him. Uh, knocked him out within a minute. And I have to assume that because Pavlovich is unranked, he's just going to straight up take Abdurakamov's number 10 spot in the ranking. So uh, whether he decides to fight up or... Uh, fight down against like an Augusto Sakai or somebody like that. Uh, 
I think there are a few interesting tests for him in the top 10. We'll see. All right, and then... So for main card action, I watched uh, every fight except Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato, and it seems pretty boring from what I can tell. Nelson uh, ran the table on him, but... The fight card opened up with Ilya Tapuria and Jai Herbert. So Tapuria, uh, incredible fighter, but he moved up for this one. He was fighting at 145 pounds uh, before moving up to 155 pounds. I was a little concerned. He's got crazy power in his hands. Uh, he's a sophisticated technical striker. He's got a crazy good grappling pedigree. Uh, you can't really get him down or keep him down, but... I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do it. I mean, when he got in there it was Herbert. Herbert was longer than him, taller than him, bigger frame than him. And Ilya Dupuria put on a master class in fighting on the back foot because Jai Herbert hurt him uh, basically in the opening of the very first round. So he was constantly, even though he was clearly compromised, keeping things moving, he was ripping strikes to the body, giving him different looks. And he managed to just catch him with a beautiful punch, folded him, folded him clean. Uh, I go on a limb and say that uh, Ilya Tapuria, I thought he was going to go far in the featherweight division. He might go even farther in the lightweight division. I'd say I don't really have any fantasy matchmaking for Ilya Tapuria. If you make a fight between him and any ranked lightweight at all, anybody in the top 15, uh, it's probably going to be a good fight. Uh Alrighty, and then after that, very very interesting fight. Maybe contender for <laughs> knockout of the year. Maybe contender for greatest knockout in a women's fight of all time. Uh, Molly McCann and Luana Carolina. Molly McCann, the Scouser. Uh, crowd was <laughs> absolutely on fire for her. Uh, Craig, Jack Shore, uh, everybody who fought from the UK. Uh, the London crowd was really showing up and showing out. They were <laughs> so loud, so energetic. But Molly McCann, you could tell she was feeling the energy because she opened up in the first round and threw the gas tank, threw the kitchen sink, uh, threw all the pipes in the house at Luana Carolina. She basically running forward and swing, winging punches as hard as she could. And... You know, say what you will about Luana Carolina. Really, a lesser woman would have just folded and crumpled. But she stuck it out. And I was, honestly, I was starting to think, you know, the crowd was losing their mind for Meatball Molly. But I didn't, Carolina, she was outstriking her in the second round. She was catching her in these grappling exchanges in the clinch, throwing nasty knees at her. And Molly was starting to look a little slow. I was like, oh. Maybe she did use up the gas tank. Maybe she's not going to make it. And then, clearly, even though she gave up her gas tank, Molly McCann did not use up her brains because she read Luana Carolina like a book at the end of this fight. So the third, <laughs> the third round's winding down. Luana tried to grab her in a collar and elbow again to try and get a couple more strikes off in the clinch. And <laughs> she pushes into Molly. Molly grabs her arm for a second and then breaks right into a spinning elbow and caught Luana Carolina uh, basically as flush as anybody has ever been caught with a spinning back elbow before in the history of the UFC. 
uh, an album from the depths of hell itself. It was spectacular. And, you know, you really have to balance, you know, as a fan of the sport, uh, between wanting to see cool knockouts and uh, having to be very, <laughs> very respectful because Lona Carolina was out for a while. Uh, you know, you go, oh, that's so cool. But you got to remember, folks, that uh, there are real people, real fighters that are uh, taking this damage in real life. So when somebody's not jumping up right away, always, uh, you know, say a little prayer for them. Keep them in your thoughts. Next fight on the card was Nelson and Sato. Didn't watch that. And then after that, third from the top, Patty the Batty, Patty Pimblett, returned to the UFC to face Kazula Vargas. Uh, Patty Pimblett, I don't even know how to, how can I describe this man in, in words that make sense? I mean, maybe the idiot savant of the UFC, uh, in his first fight against Luigi Rengermani, basically won by just tiring out his opponent by getting punched in the head so many times that uh, the other guy gassed out. Incredible stuff. But Kuzula Vargas, uh, pretty good at what he does. So I was relatively interested in another test for Patty, and I could not help but... Uh, <laughs> finding myself breaking down in laughter at the beginning of the first round. Uh, Patty, well, Michael Bisping in general, love the guy, love the commentary, love the career, but don't love the commentary all the time. It can be a little bit biased towards some of his favorites. And when Patty got dropped by Christopher Vargas uh, on his third punch, and Bisping was still doing the awkwardly doing the ad read without mentioning the knockdown that just happened. Uh, I did feel a little bit bad, and I felt a little bit bad for Pat Patty Pimblett too. I mean, I thought Kazula Vargas was a genius. He knew that Patty had no hands; just keep the pressure going. Uh, yeah, for three seconds, and then uh, Vargas dived right onto Pimblett's neck. What? 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 Patty Pimplett, the, the the Cage Warriors world champion who has, has had all of his mixed martial arts success through wrestling and grappling? Let him back up. Stand him up. He can't throw a punch to save his life. And Vargas was decently successful at first, you know, held guard, kind of laid on top of him. But Patty worked his way back up to the cage, and a few seconds later, he swept the leg. If Vargas had just let him back up and told him to actually fight, you know, he wouldn't be in that position. But Patty's just Patty's just that good. Uh, he can't throw a punch to save his life, but he's an amazing grappler. And after about 30 more seconds of work on the ground, uh, Patty got in between him, tapped him out with a rear naked choke. Uh, as well, uh, there was some interesting controversy earlier this week. Uh, it appears that Patty Pimblett was making fun and belittling uh, Ilya Tapiria's Georgian heritage by invoking the Russo-German War. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The Russo-Georgian War. Uh, Tapiria's been calling for a fight 
basically since the beginning of the week, Tapuria called him out after he won his fight. Uh, if I was Dana White, I would keep these two as far away from each other as humanly possible. And you can make lots of excuses as to why they have to be kept uh, kept at a distance from each other. But I think that if it got down to in the octagon, Ilya Tapuria would uh, mop the floor with Patty Pimplet. Mop the floor with him. Uh, you know, and Ilya Tapuria, he's a good fighter, but doesn't speak English. Needs a translator. Not marketable. Patty Pimblet, he can sell some T-shirts. He can make the UFC some money. So why send Patty in there as a sacrificial lamb for one of the baddest lightweights on the roster when, eh, just have him fight somebody else. Some other unranked dude. Build up some more hype. You know what I mean? Co-main event, Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker had a nasty little firefight, a nasty little little phone booth boxing match. But uh, Allen stunned Dan early, and Hooker just looked completely out of it. Uh, he couldn't get out of the way of Allen. Yeah, he couldn't couldn't circle off against the cage. Uh, wasn't really moving his head just kind of getting touched up by Allen over and over again. And Allen kept the pressure up. Allen kept it in his face. Most of Dan's best defense was throwing knees, throwing hooks back. But uh, eventually under that kind of uh, pressure, you just melt. And that's what happened. Which, I mean, I'm con- kind of genuinely concerned about Dan Hooker. That's my boy. But uh, taking two out of your last three losses by one getting beat on in a five-round war with Justin Poirier and two, getting knocked all around the octagon by Michael Chandler. Probably not great for your uh, chin health. And then cutting an extra 10 pounds of weight. Uh, Let's just say that dropping to a lower weight class, we've never once seen somebody have a more resilient chin at a lower weight class. No fighter has ever been able to take punches better at a lower weight class. Uh, and don't, don't say Jose Aldo. I, don't, don't harass me, Aldo fans, okay? Uh, yeah, I think this decision, uh, it was a mistake from Dan Hooker. Felt way more politically motivated than actually uh, motivated by sporting. Uh, he's clearly just in a bad position in the lightweight division and wanted to shake it up, and now he's in a bad position in both divisions. So... You know, he's still my boy. Whether he fights at 145 or 155 next, uh, I'll be there. I'll be watching. And Arnold Allen, what a machine. Uh, undefeated stud. He's absolutely going to bring him to the top five because of that. Uh, two words. Yair Rodriguez. Thank your Uncle Joey later when they make this fight. It's going to be a banger. And the main event. Uh, I've been, I need to make a public statement. I, Tom Aspinall, I am sorry. I am very, very sorry. I have been so rude to Tom Aspinall. I have been so mean to Tom Aspinall, so dismissive of him uh, as he (laughs) beat on the ghost of Andrei Arlovsky and Sergei Spivak. I just assumed that he was some dude, but... 
I will eat my crow. Tom Aspinall is legitimately very good. I would go so far as to say that Tom Aspinall is legitimately much gooder than most of the currently employed UFC heavyweights. Uh, you look at guys like Shilgan and guys like uh, Aspinall and then compares them to, 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 to maybe uh, like a Curtis Blades or like a uh, Junior Dos Santos. Just these old one-dimensional heavyweights. They're on their way out. Uh, there's a new generation of highly specialized, modern MMA heavyweights coming into the UFC. And it's been a long time coming, seeing that uh, we spent the last decade uh, trying to get better heavyweight fighters and uh, have failed every single time. Because, you know, uh, six foot two, 270 pound man. Uh, would much rather sign with a football team and make millions of dollars throughout even a mediocre career than risk going to work for the UFC and making $20,000 to show up and $20,000 to win their fight. But yes, Tom Aspinall is legit. Uh, the striking was clean. It was crisp. It was sharp. He stayed in Volkov's face. The body lock takedown was beautiful and uh, Volkov just looked like he was absolutely drowning on the ground. I, I mean, obviously I never thought of him as some kind of credentialed grappler, but uh, I didn't even, Gon didn't even really work him over in the grappling in this way. I, I, he, Volkov got up from the first takedown, but I mean, he, he looked slow, looked lethargic. Aspinall was working the front kick like crazy. Uh, it was just a beautiful performance. Uh, the blast double leg. At the, oh, 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 ducking under that, oh, ducking under that hook for the blast double leg to seal the deal. Beautiful. Uh, Aspinall, no, Aspinall's legit. He's that guy. And to be honest, with as shallow as heavyweight is in the, in the UFC, uh, he could be one fight away from a title shot, two maximum. Uh, Volkov, on the other hand, I don't think he's washed or anything. He's just going to fight down for a little bit, you know. But Aspinall, Cyril gone, guys like that, you're going to see a lot more uh, UFC heavyweights that look like this in the future and compared to, you know, ones that kind of just walk forward and flail hooks. But... That's all that I watched from uh, UFC London this week. Uh, but yeah, Aspinall, Allen, Pimplet, McCann, Tapuria, uh, Sergey Pavlovich, Paul Craig, and two others all got performance of the night bonuses, all coming home, $50,000, you know, weighing in their pocket. Great card. Uh, great crowd. Hopefully we get them back in there uh, sometime soon. For maybe a pay-per-view or something. Now, over the course of the last week, we've had a couple of interesting news articles. Uh, Kevin Holland proving once again that he is a absolute benefit to the community. Uh, 
news story came out the other day that uh, there was an active shooting situation at a uh, restaurant and a couple men got up together to essentially neutralize the shooter, one of them being Kevin Holland. And uh, they got him down and kept him there until the police came. Uh, stories about fighters doing stuff like that, it's never not gonna make me smile. Uh, Holland's just legit, he's, a, he's that guy. In uh, slightly lighter news in an attempted shooting, Greg Hardy, officially cut from the UFC after his third loss in a row. I mean, thank, oh, thank the Lord. I'll just say that. Uh, you know, I never thought that he was going to go far in the first place, but when he starts knocking out more and more and more and more people, even if they are scrubs, you start to get a little nervous. I'm glad that my original prognosis was completely accurate and that Greg Hardy was uh, just a football player with no skill trying to coast on some money off of a Horrific controversy. Yeah, no space for abuses in the UFC. Get him out of here. Get him out of here, Dana. The PFL is coming back for the 2022 season. They've announced their six shows. Uh, they're going to be a running tour in Arlington, Texas, and in Atlanta. Uh, Kayla Harrison. Still right now their flagship champ. They renegotiated her contract. She's probably going to sweep the... The women's lightweight tournament again because it's Kayla Harrison. Uh, hello, uh, you know PFL is pretty good. Uh, I like having it around in its season. Uh, more fights are always good fights. And for our piece de resistance in the news section this week, uh, an absolutely insane occurrence. Bader Hari, uh, Glory Kickboxing's uh, world champ, was fighting a, a rematch against a guy who knocked him out. Uh, Bader Hari, obviously legendary kickboxer, uh, has dozens and dozens and dozens of fights, dozens and dozens and dozens of wins. Uh, just one of the best in the world, one of the best in history has a passionate fan base, I'll say that, because at Glory 80, uh, this this weekend, <laughs> the rematch was not stopped by knockout, it was not stopped by decision, it was stopped by riot. Uh, Harry was knocked out by a flying knee at the end of the second round, and Badr Hari supporters and his opponent's supporters started brawling in the stands. They started a riot that spread to the entire arena and the fight had to be thrown, had to be called off. There was a, still a main event fight that uh, never went out because uh, even as they tried to control the crowd, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. So Glory now has come out and condemned the crowd. Bader Harry has come out and condemned his fans. Uh... Just absolutely insane. Uh, you know, say what you will about liking liking a fighter or not. And, you know, even, you know, that he represents, like, your people and your culture. Uh, I could never imagine not even starting a riot because he lost. Starting a riot because it looked like he was going to lose. 
Uh, <laughs> insane stuff, man. Insane stuff. Uh, the world of mixed martial arts, always, always a strange one. And I'm sure it's time for our next recording. I'll be back with lots and lots of more juicy gossip. But for now, on March 26th, uh, we've got another fight night coming up. And it's Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins. Originally, this was supposed to be, uh, as I was talking about earlier, the uh, John Blackowitz and Alexander Rachik number one contender fight for light heavyweight. But uh, Blackowitz had to pull out, so it got moved into an undisclosed point in the future. Uh, but yeah, so let's look at this card. Uh, Neil Magny versus Max Griffin. I find that very, very, very interesting. Uh, Max Griffin, unranked right now, but he's on a uh, three-fight win streak. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for this guy, even though he's literally never been able to string together more than one UFC win in his whole career until very, very recently. Uh, I always thought that, you know, he had a hard head, he had heart, he had three-round cardio, uh, the issues with Max Griffin were never uh, anything to do with a lack of skill. I think that could have been mined out of him, and I think right now his current coaches are absolutely doing that. But Neil Magny is a wild tune-up in competition in compared to uh, the ghost of Carlos Condon or uh, Ramiz Brahimaj. Uh no, Neil Magny, ranked number nine right now. Uh, he's he's crazy, crazy good. So if Max Griffin manages to get past this test or even be competitive, I'll be very, very, very impressed. All righty. Uh, Jennifer Maya versus Manon Fioro. Jennifer Maya, former title challenger. Uh, Firo on her way up in the flyweight division, but uh, I'm not exactly sure if this is the number one contender fight for uh, Jennifer Maya. I think she's had... She fought Valentina Shevchenko in 2020, and she's had one win and one loss since then. So she's trying to stay in the top three. Trying to keep her name relevant. Uh, this is a good fight to make. Next up, we've got Alexi Olenek versus Ilir Latifi. Uh, I love Olenek. Olenek's amazing. I'll always love Olenek. Uh, Olenek can lose 17 fights in a row, and I'll still show up to watch the next one. Uh, the king is the Ezekiel choke. The king of old man jitsu. Uh, <laughs> Olenek, is, Olenek is great. Uh, always rooting for that guy to win. Ilir Latifi, eh, he's fine. Whatever. Uh, Matt Brown versus Brian Barberena. That got rescheduled for this card. That's going to be a very, very interesting one because Matt Brown is still somehow so game. But Brian Barberena is really, really good. Uh, I can't really see a situation where uh, Barberena is going to give it up to Matt Brown, but Matt Brown is always surprising you. And then, which will probably be the co-main event for next weekend, 
Uh, we've got Kaikara France versus Askar Askarov. This is absolutely a number one contendership fight in the uh, flyweight division. Uh, flyweight right now, just a little teensy, teensy bit uh, messed up, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, first, Figueredo and Moreno fought to a draw. Then Moreno beat Figueredo. Then Figueredo beat Moreno. Now we have to have a force fight to determine who is actually the bestest best flyweight right now. Well, the whole rest of the division uh, sits and waits there. So we are pretty lucky that things are starting to get moving again. Uh, Askarov also has history with the former champ, Brandon Moreno. Uh, they fought to a draw in 2019. And Askarov has been on a three-fight win streak since then. He's never lost a fight in the UFC or ever other than that one draw. So uh, very, very interesting. Askarov is a very, very sharp guy. Uh, and Kaikar France is also a great fighter. So uh, keep your eyes out on this one. Uh, that one's going to be the banger of the week. I think I'm, yep, you know what? I'm putting it down. Put the button on that one. Askar Askarov versus Kaikar France will be the banger of the week. Uh coming up this Saturday. No matter what else you watch, that's going to be the best fight you watch this weekend. And the main event, Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins, uh, the brother of Kyle Dawkins. Kind of kind of cute, you know. There's two uh, UFC fighting brothers. But Chris Dawkins coming off uh, absolutely ridiculous loss to Derek Lewis. Lewis, like, basically just, just walked through him. Uh, you know, Hooven. Ugh. The logic, the logic of Derek Lewis fights will never, never escape me. But, uh, well, I'll never get it. But, Dawkins, some decent wins. Beat Shamil Abdurakimov. Beat Alexei Olenek. But, uh,. He might not be ready for Curtis Blades. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, looking at the record, he has a couple of UFC wins, but, you know, Abdurakimov, a little up there in age, and took a big break. Olenek, uh, Alexei Olenek is 400 years old. Uh, his first fight in the UFC was against Parker Porter. Not really... Uh, not really credential gatekeeper to the division, if you know what I mean, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, Curtis Blades is an absolute expert and in clutching, clutching defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, lost to Derek Lewis. Both of these guys actually share this trait of uh, having completely and utterly humiliating losses to Derek Lewis on their record. Uh, Blades bounced back with a win over Jeremy Rosenstruck. And Blades is clearly looking to get back in the swing of things and try and push up and get himself a title shot. Uh, Dawkins, we'll see. If uh, Blades beats Chris Dawkins, he's definitely put himself at least up for a uh, interim title spot or number one contendership fight. But if Tom Aspinall moves up into the top five, uh, that's a very, very interesting fight to make.
whether uh, Blaze or Dawkins wins this fight, uh, the winner fighting Tom Aspinall would also be a very, very, very good fight and basically also serve up a top contender for the division. So right now, things in the heavyweight division are interesting. Things in the light heavyweight division are interesting. I mean, uh, when can you say uh, the last time that happened in the UFC? Uh, 2007, maybe? Uh, so, Blades versus Dawkins next weekend. The weekend after that, I'll be uh, back again to preview UFC 273. Uh, Volkanovski versus Korean Zombie. Uh, enjoy the fights, everybody. And... I'll be talking to you again, same bat time, same bat channel next week.